The market had every chance in the world to fall last month, and instead, it closed in the upper half of the range. So far, the overwhelming strength lies with the bulls this year. Because if you can protect yourself when things get bad, and you're around when things are good, you're going to do very, very well over the long term. You're listening to Last Week in the Market, the podcast for self-guided independent traders. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in. I'm Sean Vincent. I am the voice of Last Week in the Market. Soon we'll be joined by Adam Sarhan. He's the brains behind Last Week in the Market. We recorded this podcast in the afternoon of Friday, September 1st. The market hadn't closed yet, but it had been a pretty even keel week after some tumultuous action earlier in the month. One of the things that's key to the AMT trading strategy is to look at the market from different time frames, not just the daily chart, look at the weekly chart, look at the monthly chart, and each one tells a slightly different story that when you put it together, reveals a broader look at the current state of the market. While our podcast is called Last Week in the Market, today we're going to take a look at last month in the market. And although this was the first down month we've had since February, all in all, it's been a pretty good run. Adam will explain more. But before we get to all that, remember that in the market, the past does not predict the future. No results are typical and there is inherent risk when trading in the market. This podcast is for educational purposes and does not constitute financial advice. It's September 1st, 2023, and here's what happened last month in the market. Even though August was the first down month in the 2023 rally, it ended up finishing in the upper half of its range, which Adam says is a positive sign. He'll explain more. On a broader monthly chart, the QQQ is starting to form the handle of a cup and handle shape. That's a technical shape that informs technical traders. Adam's going to describe what that means and why it's probably a very good sign. Yeah, as you mentioned, you've had one down month this whole year outside of August. So now you've had two down months. You had February and then you had August. In the One of the subtle but important signs, Sean, to keep in, keep in mind is where the market opens compared to where it closes. And... When you have out of eight months, seven of those months are up, and then you know one is down, I guess now you have two months that are down. So maybe six months up and then two months down, that shows you that the so far the overwhelming strength lies with the bulls this year. Now, that doesn't mean it has to continue going forward, just where we are right now. We had a very strong run. So going back to that close and open scenario on a any time frame, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, you know, where the market opens is important, but where it closes is more important. Why? Because to think of it like a subtle or just it's a game of tug of war. Like when your kids on a playground, you go back and forth, you know, and, and when kids play, one team wins, one team loses. Here, it never ends. This is an infinite game, the market, right? So when you get a market that opens higher, but closes lower, Typically, that's not a good sign. That's a bearish sign because all the bulls are exhausted. The bears showed up. They overpowered the bulls and the market closed lower. Now, the opposite is also true where you open lower, like what happened in August, and then you close in the upper half of the range or actually up on the day, the week, the month, whatever the time frame you're looking at. 
So last month, what happened in August was you opened lower. The NASDAQ 100, if you look at the QQQ, it went down to 354 and change. And then it closed at 370, almost 378, 377.99. And it opened, well, sorry, the, the month before, it closed at 383. So from 383, you close July, you wake up in August, about two weeks later, you're at 354, and then you rally back in the last two weeks of the month, and you close at 378, more or less. Okay, that's a strong close. The market had every chance in the world to fall last month, and instead, it closed in the upper half of the range. So what does that tell us? It tells us a few things. Number one, when you step back and look, if six of the last eight months are up, you step back and look at the action over the last several years, you can see what's forming on the monthly chart is a very bullish and big cup and handle base. Now, it just looks like a sideways mug, look, or like the letter U, and then a handle would be just a sideways digestion. So we had a very big rally after COVID. The market doubled in 18 months, which is not normal. And then in 2022, we pulled back, we digested that big rally, which is normal. And then in 2023, so far, we had a, a really just a strong advance all year, led by the big cap tech stocks, by the way, and semiconductor stocks. Few other areas led as well, like you had housing stocks, acted well, some construction stocks. But for the most part, it's been a very narrow you know, area of leadership this year. But what's happening is you're paving the foundation with that big cup and handle base for a big explosive rally going forward. So think of it like a letter U and then a sideways little line that might be either horizontal or slightly drifting lower. And then eventually what happens, Sean, is that you get a breakout above the high of the handle and then that paves the way for a new leg higher. Good. So the, the, the cup that you're talking about is kind of the month of August, right? We saw Correct. the low on the 18th, but now it's come back up and we've had... Since uh, since then, it's been kind of going sideways, and that's the handle. No, actually, I'm going to tell you further. The cup, if you step back and look, is really the entire rally uh, before 2021 ended. That was the uptrend. So the cup began in early 22, and then it okay. went sideways, bottomed in October of 22, and then it came up. The entire move in 2023 up until July was the right side of that cup. And now what we're doing is we're forming a handle. So the month of August and now the month of September are beginning the handle. And if we can take out and get above July's high, which in the NASDAQ 100, let's go ahead and look at it, would be 380, let's go 388 just for round numbers. That's gonna pave the way for the market to pull back, to, to rally, excuse me, all the way up to 408, which was the high back in 2011. And then if it takes that out, it's going to new, new all-time highs. And that would be very, very bullish. So again, you had a prior uptrend from post-COVID all the way up until the end of 21. And then 22 bear market was the beginning of the cup. The, bot the market bottomed in October of 22, mm. but really went sideways for July, December. And then it didn't start taking off until January of 23. And then February was, like you said, a down month. March is when it really started to get going. Yeah. And then you rallied, you know, March all the way up until July. And August, you went sideways. So that's the cup, the big entire cup. And now we're forming the handle. Now, and the handle could last a few weeks, a few months, or even longer. We don't know. And, and 
the, the cup and the handle, that is a technical trader's term for that shape. And that is a good sign historically that you're more likely to go back up. Correct. So the way these patterns work, Sean, is nothing's 100% perfect. Right. Let's be very clear. Any in the market, that is, I've yet to find, if somebody can find something, by all means, please let me know. Uh, it, it, for the way the market works is that by definition, the future is uncertain. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows where the market's going to close next week, next month, next year. Nobody knows. And if anybody told you with absolute certainty, they're just either delusional or outright lying to you. So what does that mean? How do you navigate an environment which by definition is unknown? Well, you do a few things. You study history. You study the way the market behaved in the past. You study human nature and you study trends because ultimately your job as an investor is to be a very good risk manager. And what does that mean is to pay attention to the downside because if you can protect yourself when things get bad and you're around when things are good, you're going to do very, very well over the long term. So when you look at these patterns, they tend to repeat themselves over and over and over again. And it's not just in, in the market. It's all throughout life, right? You walk into a crowded theater and yell fire, what's going to happen? People are going to run, irrespective of their language, their race, their religion, their so how much money they have in the bank, you know, their education. It doesn't matter whether it was 5,000 years ago or 5,000 years in the future or right now. So that's a behavioral trait or tendency, right? Yeah. You, you push somebody, you know, you're going to get a certain reaction. So humans, we, human nature, that is. The markets are driven by fear and greed. That's the two fundamental emotions that drive the market. So we tend to see these patterns show up over and over and over again. Now, not every cup and handle or double bottom or flat rectangle base or what have you leads to a huge move, you know, bull market or big move up. But just about every big move up began with one of these patterns that repeat themselves over and over and over again. And they're all outlined in the book and psychological analysis. You can go on Amazon, just type in psychological analysis or, and, and you can pick up a copy of the book and see these illustrations. There's bullish patterns and there's bearish patterns. So the reason why we follow them is because if this market's going to raise higher, you now have precedent. Just like in law, what is the idea of precedent? The idea of precedent is that it's happened before. And there was a ruling on it before. And there's some kind of guideline or post that we can use at, with some kind of a slight edge, with some kind of a reference point. And that's what these patterns do. They give us a reference point. And so I want for the folks who are listening, you're, I have the benefit. You're showing me this great chart of the QQQ. That is a weekly chart? This is a monthly chart. It's a monthly chart. And you've got it set to what year range? Um, it's going all the way back to 2000. All right. So that if somebody, if they go to whatever charting software they have and look for the yeah. QQQ and what we're looking at, that cup on the monthly chart goes from what it goes from around 2021 where we had a high, uh, to now. Yeah. And there's this yeah. beautiful U shape and yes. And when we look back at this, we'll see this handle on the right-hand side of it. And then time will tell if that breaks up or does something else. But what I heard you say is that although the cup and handle doesn't always mean that we're moving up, 
most times when we've gone up, there's been a couple handled before it. Yeah, or there's been a double bottom where there's been a rectangle base, like a flat base. There's been head and shoulders bottom. There's these repeatable patterns that yeah. show up time and time again on multiple time frames, on daily time frames, weekly and monthly time frames. So when you see one so pronounced and so clean and so easy as this, by the way, this is published. Everybody listening can go to findleadingstocks.com and literally sign up for a free trial and see it in the archive section. I publish this in the report week after week because it's really important for people to see the bigger picture. Most people, Sean, as you know, they don't look at the forest when they're investing. They look at what I call the leaves and the trees. Forget about the, the, the forest. They don't even look at the trees. They're too busy looking at the intraday chart where they're looking at the 15-minute chart or 30 seconds or 30 minutes or whatever, you know, really, really short time frame, which is like looking at the, the leaves on the tree. They're yeah. not even looking at the tree, which is a daily chart, or the, the forest, which would be a weekly or monthly chart. So for me, it's really important to step back and say, oh, okay, hold on a second here. What, what exactly is happening on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, an annual chart? Look, like zoom out. And then once you're able to zoom out, you get a good understanding of, are we in an uptrend? Are we in a downtrend? Are we moving sideways? What's the lay of the land? And yeah. then we can zoom in on the weekly and daily. And the more these timeframes overlap, the better. And there's one thing you said that's really important, but I want to draw attention to is that you can't, these things can't predict what's going to happen in the future. That's unknowable and it's uncertain. Correct. But what I've learned like in the month plus that we've been having these conversations, Adam, is that yeah. you you don't predict what's going to happen next week, but by and large, you've anticipated what's going to happen in the next week. You don't know that that scenario is going to unfold, but you're, the scenario that does unfold is something that you've probably thought of. And with your AMP investment trading strategy, you, you're managing risk accordingly based on the things that you can anticipate. Does that make sense? Well, that's a, yeah, that's a really good point, Sean. So I don't know what I'm eating for dinner tonight, let alone where the market's going to be in a week, a month, a year from now. I don't have to to be very successful in this business. What you do need to know is historical precedent. And you do need to be able to anticipate with some kind of positive expectation that what you're doing makes sense and that there's a rhyme and reason to it. So by anticipating, think of a great example is you play a game, a video game against a kid who's 15 years old. The kids spent hundreds of hours, if not thousands of hours playing that game. They can anticipate the turn or where the bad guy is going to come out or whatever. And if I play them, there's no way that I have a chance to play them and, be, and win because they've spent so many hours. They have the experience, the knowledge, the expertise in that video game to beat me. There's a really good movie. I haven't seen a good movie in, that I really recommend in ages, but I just saw when I took my kids and my wife and a few other families to go watch this movie, we went to go watch Gran Turismo. Okay. Gran Turismo is a video game. If you haven't seen it, it's a phenomenal movie but of grit, of perseverance, of what's required to be successful, even in the market, even though it has nothing to do with the market, but it's about being successful, about winning and perseverance and so on and so forth. I'm not going to say anything more. It's a really good movie, but we'll get back to the market here. The kid who played the video game ultimately became, it was a race car game, ultimately drove professionally and raced 
against other major race car, like professional race car drivers. Now, I'm not going to go anymore because I don't want to spoil the movie for you. I strongly recommend watching it because it's a really good movie about perseverance and success. But take that same experience and apply it to markets. This kid who spent thousands of hours playing that video game could anticipate the turns and what may happen, not with 100% accuracy, but with an overwhelming amount of accuracy better than the drivers who were not as experienced could do. So that anticipation of knowing where the turn is coming or what's going to happen to the car That's and the or where the bad guy is coming out. Yeah. is powerful. Interesting. And you know, I, when I worked with you on the book, we drew all those shapes, right? And it's one yes. thing to, to yeah. see them and to draw them. But I think you really have to set up a practice of watching the market on a periodic basis, a weekly basis is nice. And then this is the second time just in the last you know, six episodes we've done where, where I'm recognizing a shape form yeah. from the book, right. right? And you can see that. Right. And there's a, there's a lot of gratification that comes from that. It's a very satisfying feeling to, to start to be able to sense the quality of the market and to anticipate what it may do what the possibilities of what's likely you know yeah sure i mean it, as you get that feeling and you put you know it just starts working more and more and more and you're going to get your fair share of lumps and loses and all that fun stuff like everybody else that that's feeling of gratification just amplifies it goes to the moon so for am traders you, you wrote in your newsletter this week that you got some uh, speculative trades in but you're not all in right now You've got some cash reserves. You're you're waiting to. You, you have some encouragement with this cup and handle setup. Uh, there's a general sense that the market seems to be defying all the bad macroeconomic news. China is a mess. Right. Uh, uh, interest mm -hmm. rates are going up, and they're going to keep going up. Probably the jobs numbers are softening a, a little bit. Not catastrophic news, but things that would sometimes send the market reacting downward don't seem to be having that impact. The market seems to be sort of buoyant beyond expectations. So there's a there's a an anticipation that that might take the day, but we also recognize that you know the 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 bottom might fall out. So you're you're careful like am traders, if people who listen to this podcast know uh, end of July were stopping out of their positions as the market was turning into this pullback. A lot of AMP traders ended up converting to cash. We watched this pullback go through. And just last week, he started getting optimistic again, saying, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to get into some positions. I'm going to hold cash reserves. I'm going to set pretty conservative stops if I'm wrong and watch and see how things go. And we're, we're sort of like a foot in the water watch and see how things go, but be ready for new opportunities if they come situation, right? Yeah, 100%. So we were bullish most of the year. We turned bearish late July. Again, not because I have some magic formula, but just it's based on probabilities, right? And then the market hit hard in August. We largely sidestepped a lot of that. And then we started leaning bullish again in the second half of August after we bottomed on the 18th. And then we had a follow through day, and then another follow through day, which are just big up days on volume. And that was a subtle but important sign that the institutions are back in control. 
And now we're looking at the market and we're saying, oh, okay, stepping back, we are very well aware that longer term, we are forming a bullish cup and handle. But let me step back for a second here. I'll show you something else I can't share with the audience. But again, it's on findleadingstocks.com. You can go and, and get it. Take a look at this, Sean. This is a monthly chart of gold. Okay. This had a cup and handle. This is the same thing. It's a monthly chart going back to the early 2000s. You had a huge run from 2004 all the way of GLD. So if you type in on your, on your charting, anyone wants to follow along. Go to their charting service, type in GLD, click on a monthly chart, and you can see from 04, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you had a massive rally in gold. And then what? You paused in 2011 slash 2012, and you built a huge multi-year cup. And that cup lasted for almost eight, nine years, all the way up until COVID. COVID came, you, you basically had a huge rally in gold, and then you started forming a handle. And that handle now has been going on for three years. Now, to be very clear, most handles have stay in a few weeks or a few months. They don't last three years. Also, you don't normally get almost 20-year bullish cup and handle patterns like you do in GLD and gold or you do with uh, – this is the biggest cup and handle I've ever seen in my entire life. So if gold breaks out and goes topside here and just takes off, my goodness, can this have a huge monstrous rally? But my point is, is that the handle has been going on now for three years. So right. could the QQQ do the same thing where the handle goes on for three months? Yeah. And then break out? Sure. Could it go out for six months or six years? Yes. Could it build a huge handle and then break down and not actually confirm it and break out? Yes. And that's what's really important. That flexible component of understanding the markets just because they have XYZ don't have to follow the bullish script. And that's really, really, really important. Being flexible in your approach is just, it's next level because that's what the smart money does. But there's, but there's some comfort in seeing a pattern that you've seen before, like, like walking in a strange neighborhood and seeing a landmark that you recognize. There's like, okay, this gives me some bearings and it affects the range of what's likely to be possible. Yes, 100%. Because it gives it's like a guideline or a post or a, a guide. You know, you're, you're moving in a certain direction. So here's another show. So I just started watching this show called The Last Kingdom. And it's about Vikings and, you know, way back. It's a period piece. Okay, great. So far, so good. I'm, I'm two episodes into it. But these guys and gals were literally, they lived hundreds of years ago. And you're talking about the Vikings invading other countries and the blah, blah, blah. The British trying to defend themselves. There are no, there's no GPS. There are no roads. There's no street signs. How do you, how do you even know where you're going? <laughs> I, I don't I couldn't do it. I mean, I get lost with GPS. So, you know, I remember a time when I was a kid, there was no GPS. We had old school maps and I would drive around with old school maps trying to figure things out. So imagine having no roads, literally just out. So it's the same thing. That's what these things do, Sean. They give us an, a sense of... Uh, it's a slight edge. You want a great book. I strongly recommend people read this. It's called The Slight Edge. I'm not affiliated in any way, shape, or form. I just read the book. It's really, really good. And it's called The Slight Edge. And what he talks about is just doing consistently, underline that word, doing small things consistently all day, every day, all week, every week, all month, every month. Next thing you know, you'll get the massive results, compounding results. So he talks, you know, I, I give the analogy of Vegas casinos. There's billions and billions of dollars in, in the strip in Vegas. 
and Macau and Atlantic City. Well, how are these casinos there day after day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade after decade? The way that they're there is because of slight edge. Every single game in that casino, the house has at least a 51 to 49% chance of winning. It's the green that slot on the roulette edge. table. Wheel. That's all they right. need. Literally just a slight edge. And if they lose seven, eight, nine, ten hands in a row, doesn't matter. Deal again. Deal again. Why? Because they know over time they're going to win. And that's exactly what we do here. Yeah. yeah and it seemed Taleb talks about that in the Black Swan. He talks about casinos particularly and how they there's there is no chance in casinos. The casinos have calculated it all. They don't take any chances, right? But near the end of that, he talks about uh, the idea of fractals, the mathematical concept that the things on a small level look the same as they do on the big level, and the practical application of fractals in your life is the quality of your decision making. You make the decisions the same on the small scale as you make them on the large scale. Those decisions add up. And if you're making smart, well-informed, successful decisions uh, when you're in the small room, uh, chances are you're going to be doing well in the big room. So you couldn't, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, very well said. It's just oh, that's all life is. You want to lose weight. Uh, okay, I, I've been doing. I've been struggling with this for my whole life. I want to get a flatter stomach. Okay, how many setups do you think I did today, Sean? I'm going to guess from our earlier conversation, zero so far. You know it. <laughs> but I'm telling myself I want to get the flat stomach. Well, okay, forget what you say. What are you doing? And then if I can do, let's just say I get really motivated one day and I do a thousand setups in one day. I'm exaggerating just to illustrate the point here. How silly this is. Is that a good way of getting that flat stomach? Or should I do 100 sit-ups every day for the rest of my life? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a discipline, a daily, discipline. periodic discipline. And it's about those little decisions. What can you do now? Yeah. And then if you add those up, it adds up so much more than just trying to go crazy all at once. And same thing with the market. There's 10,000 stocks out there in ETFs and mutual funds. Who knows how many? There could be more. I don't, you don't have to know all of them. The idea is just have a process to find stocks that are setting up, that are leading, that are working, and that are going to make you money, hopefully. It's just, it, that's all it is. And if they don't make you money, get rid of them. It's like playing, look, imagine you're a coach of a basketball team or a soccer team or a baseball team. Who are you going to put on the field? The good players or the ones that are just not performing? It's the same thing. You want to put the players in the field that are performing. And if they're not performing, bench them. And just because they performed in the past doesn't mean it's going to perform now. You might have to rotate things out. All right, my friends, that's the podcast for this week. Thanks for listening in. It's Friday afternoon for me before the holiday weekend. I think I'm going to get out of here, enjoy some tennis, smoke some ribs. We'll be back again next week. Until then, as Adam says, keep your losses small and let your winners fly. How many setups do you think I did today, Sean?